Hey, thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. You probably have noticed that the name of the podcast has changed from In Light of Eternity to Christianity Culture. And the reason that's done is because we're trying to appeal to a broader audience. And when people search online for Christianity, we want them to be able to find this podcast. Also, if you can rate or review this podcast, I would really appreciate it. It helps us tremendously. And if you want to go a step further and support this ministry financially, there's a link to donate in the show notes below. On this episode, I'm talking to a friend of mine who is a pastor in Fedaway, Washington, and the things that we talk about are so heart-wrenching, but also there's a lot of humor, and it's a long episode, but I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. You'll strengthen your faith and cause you to walk closer to Jesus and think about things in light of eternity. God bless and enjoy. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Slavik, and this is Pastor Dimitri. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Hey, on this podcast, if you struggled with your faith and if you had some questions about, am I going to the right church? Am I going to a biblical church? Um, am I listening uh, to biblical preaching? We will talk about uh, what it's like to uh, go to a church that is is biblical, that uh, engages in discipleship and uh, preaches the gospel. And uh, if you uh, heard a lot of celebrities nowadays that deconstructing, uh, they're deconstructing their faith, where maybe I would say Christian celebrities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like a lot of people are also uh, either questioning their faith or they're leaving uh, their faith altogether. And uh, some of the the stuff that I hear is just so fundamental, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this podcast is going to be, if you struggle with your faith, hopefully this will encourage you and help you in your faith journey. So, Dimitri, Pastor Dimitri, welcome. Yeah, dude, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I think it's a very important yeah. conversation to have. And uh, let's see where this thing goes. Yeah, so yeah. tell me a little bit about, you just started a church uh, just recently. Uh, yeah. And in tell me a little bit about COVID. church, and why would you choose to open a church in the middle of like the one of the biggest pandemics we've <laughs> ever yeah. experienced? Yeah, that's a, that is the question. Yeah, and I will say this: that before COVID, so it's kind of interesting. I get asked the question yeah. like, "Hey, what was the reason for planting a church? What you know? What what kind of led you to to this yeah. point?" I'd say before the pandemic, mm-hmm. we had we've always had kind of a vision as a church, uh, like church wide. So we're, we're one of a few different congregations throughout the Puget Sound region. Our our, our mothership, <laughs> mother church, uh, Resurrection Church in Tacoma, yeah. kind of sent us out. And as they were sending us out, the the reason was very very uh, plain and simple. Yeah, like as a church, we believe that disciples of Jesus Christ uh, are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. to continue God's mission, uh, engaging people with the gospel. Yeah. We also believe that uh, churches should pursue planting other churches. We, yeah. we see that throughout the scriptures. We see that in the New Testament, where uh, you have believers evangelizing and sharing the gospel with other people, inviting them to become part of God's family. We also see the means by which that happens is a, a variety of different churches are planted throughout uh, yeah. Paul's ministry, throughout various apostles and, and uh, evangelists in the New Testament. 
And that's that's kind of what we've been doing. And so initially it was, well, we're planting a church because we want uh, people in mm-hmm. Federal Way is where, where we were at and, and kind of in the South King County area to have a, a local body of believers that they can yeah. join and fellowship yeah. with. And it's just another beacon of the gospel there, right? With COVID happening... Um, it kind of clarified it for us more. Yeah. It was like, no, this isn't just a, we're called to do this and we're going to do this. It, it it was more of like, this is very much needed. Yeah. We need churches that are bold in proclaiming the truth of the gospel. We need churches that are unapologetically committed to the authority of the Bible. Yeah. We need churches that are uh, unwaveringly uh, pursuing truth and uh, asking first and foremost of themselves, believers saying, "How are we following Jesus? Are we, mm-hmm. is our, does our life reflect what the scriptures teach?" Yeah, and uh, and then call others to that yeah. as well. I recently saw a uh, Instagram post from a famous sort of. Christian celebrity that was in a Christian band. I was never really familiar with them until I saw, you know, this whole thing in in all the news. Mm-hmm. And basically he was saying that, hey, I left the faith because I had a lot of questions that were not answered. For example, why does God allow, you know, kids to, you know, be uh, hungry and, uh, you know, live in such poor conditions or... Why is there evil in the world, right? And I remember my expression in that moment when I was reading that. And I'm like, my guy, like, you've been a Christian for literally 35 <laughs> years. I think he was 35 years old. And you haven't wrestled with right. some of the most fundamental questions of our faith. Right. Right? And I don't know if maybe, and I want to, like, just be sort of, give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, right. I want him to understand that, like, hey, I'm not coming from a judgmental place here. Right. But I'm genuinely asking, like, have you not wrestled with those questions? Right, right. Those questions were not addressed up until now. And w- my question then becomes, okay, what kind of church did you go to? Yeah. Did you have a pastor that you could sit down and ask these questions? Because mm-hmm. honestly, like, I, I know my, this might sound comical, but I wrestled this since I was like eight years old. And I kid you not, like, yeah. I went, I was like, and the reason I remember this is because there's a funny story where I was walking in the street and and it was just a, you know, with my class. And you know how when you're like first grade, you have to hold hands, mm-hmm. right? And I was holding the hand of like this girl and, then everything just went black. Turn, turns out I walked into a pole. <laughs> and the reason, and I remember that right before that, I was thinking like, if God created everything, why? I mean, who created God? Right? Like, and, and I, I remember. In retrospect, that pole is the reason for your existential questions. <laughs> and that's how I remember it. Like, <laughs> And I just remember waking up and I being surrounded, <laughs> being surrounded by all my classmates looking down at me, right? Like, and I just got knocked out. And I just remember this particular moment in my life that at that time, even though I was really, really young, like I, I wrestled with these big questions of life. And here you have Christians, and they're like, "Why, oh, why is there <laughs> suffering in the world? Why, oh, why do people walk into poles?" <laughs> 
I think that was God's and, sign. And blackout. <laughs> I think that, that's that was God's sign to me saying, don't ask stupid questions. <laughs> no, oh my goodness. Dude. Well, the question itself is not stupid, but you know what I mean? Like, well, here's the thing: the question itself is not new, and that's yeah. why I think the 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 um, <laughs> I think the the sat- satirical uh, nature of this yeah. all is is like people who are asking questions, who are who are deconstructing their faith or abandoning the mm-hmm. Christian faith because of said reason that it doesn't answer certain questions they have or objections that they have. Which all may be legitimate questions and objections, right, yeah. but they're not novice. They're not new. New. Yeah. They're not just like, you know, people just came out and go, "Oh, I mean, I like, got, I got one." This was these issues have been debated and discussed for thousands of years. It's like, have you o- opened one apologetics book? Like, yeah. I mean, have you read any of the Church Fathers? Like, have you right. read any of you know? Uh, and I think that's exactly the point that I'm trying to drive at. Is okay. Well. The point here is not to blame the person. Right. The point here is, are we creating an environment for the person to be discipled? And when they struggle, because those questions will come to every single person. Right. They will wrestle with those questions. Right. But then the question becomes, do they have a place that those questions can be answered? Well, and then the answer to that question is, is p- part of the answer to that question is no, because uh, a lot of, unfortunately, the reality of, the kind of the yeah. the landscape of Christian ministry is that a lot of pastors and a lot of ministers, including myself, like when I became uh, when I became an elder recently, actually even mm-hmm. recently, and I started asking questions of uh, of myself and my ministry, and like you know, because you you have the zeal, you want to be faithful, like yeah. you're like, man, this is yeah. a weight and a responsibility yeah. that I have now before God and His people. I need to take this seriously. I need to be sober-minded yeah. in my thinking and pursuit. And the thing that I realized was I am tremendously lacking in like robust scriptural like mm-hmm. knowledge, not mm-hmm. not just like familiarity yeah. with the scriptures, which I think is like it's kind of a very low bar for ministers yeah. nowadays. It's like to be familiar. Yeah, to be familiar. It's like not only should you be familiar with it, but you should be able to answer questions yeah. like these with scriptural evidence, with scriptural basis. And unfortunately, a, there's a there's a a lot of ministers who um, aren't able to answer those questions sufficiently. Yeah, or even to point people in the right direction with certain things. And that's why you have people who are like dumbfounded. That there aren't answers to questions and objections like like this one, right? Yeah, why is yeah. there evil in the world? Why why is there why why is there suffering in the world when we have a God who loves us and cares for us? Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe we should discuss what is actually in the scriptures. Yeah, yeah, and what is taught in the scriptures. Yeah, you know, it would be a great starting point. Absolutely, and I think a lot <laughs> of times, if you look at a typical week for a Christian, right? You have your regular job where uh, most of the companies that you work for, especially for startups, they will be very left-leaning, very like, sometimes I would, I don't even want to like use the word very antagonistic to the gospel, but some of the workplaces that I've worked in, they were. And, you know, and then you have your, maybe your small group, and then you have your Sunday service, you know. Mm-hmm. So the amount of time where you are kind of like, 
being discipled is very limited unless you actually seek it out, mm-hmm. right? And not only that, but when it comes to a Sunday morning service, when you have some like mega churches where you go there and for the first 25 minutes is not actually going through scripture, right? Mm-hmm. But for the first 25 minutes is usually some kind of very interesting story that, you know, and, and again, this is not, I'm not trying to like, you know, bad mouth pastors here, but right. it's like, well, if you only have 45 <coughs> minutes to preach a sermon and 25 minutes of it is spent on like just a typical story that you're just trying to make it entertaining and people feel like they're comfortable. Yeah. I look at that and I'm like, well, when do people actually get scripture? Uh, unless they seek it out. Yeah. And if they're not getting it on Sunday morning and if they don't attend a small group where, you know, because you have people that don't attend a small group and then mm-hmm. you have people that just gossip at small groups, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's just like a fellowship thing and it's not really a discipleship um, and and I think what would be the remedy to that? Like, what would be? Uh, I guess my question to you would be: Did you struggle with that when you opened the church? And mm-hmm. how do you kind of schedule the week in such a way that is is helpful in discipling? You know, your people that attend your church. That's a that's a great question, and it's a question I'm continually asking of myself and. Um, Another co-laborer yeah. with me, his name is uh, Lewis, Pastor Lewis, um, godly older man mm-hmm. uh, that I praise God for, man. I'm mm-hmm. going into ministry and planting a church uh, is is challenging in and of itself, but, it, but having no one at your hip who is yeah. seasoned, mature, yeah. wise is even that much more challenging. So having him there with me has been a tremendous help. And we continually ask this question of ourselves. And one of the things that we're, um, we're thinking about, talking about, praying about now mm-hmm. is, is really lends itself to this, this issue of balancing, hey, how do we actually have kind of a, an evangelistic aspect of our ministry? Right. Right. Where people who don't know the, the, Christian nomenclature, Christian right. vernacular. They don't they're not familiar with the terminology, right? <laughs> yeah. You're talking about salvation, you're talking about sovereignty, you're talking about justification, you're talking about sanctification, yeah. glorification, right? Expiation. They're like propitiation. What? <laughs> All the Asians. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, what other Asian you got in there that I can completely ignore because I have no freaking clue what you're talking about. Um so there is that aspect of like I wouldn't say dumbing it down, right? But I would say recognizing where people are at and making going, it practical, making it practical, yeah. and making it accessible. So there's that aspect, and then on the flip side of the same coin is you don't continue to feed milk yeah. to Mature. believers who yeah. are or who are asking, "Can I have a steak every now and then? Yeah. Can I have something that I can really dig my teeth into and actually really yeah. wrap my mind around, my heart around, and really get deeper into the scriptures?" Right. And so for us, it was, okay, it's emphatically clear in the scriptures right. and, and um, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that the role of ministers and pastors and, and, and teachers is to primarily mm-hmm. minister through the ministry of the word, right? That you're, you are devoted to the scriptures so much so that you are knowledgeable in them enough to be able to handle questions, to be able to answer answer uh, right. objections, and to instruct, instruct, right? And so 
for us, our Sunday gatherings are very much the focus of gospel proclamation, right? So we gather together as God's people to worship Jesus. This isn't a question of, is this gathering for believers? Is this gathering for non-believers? Who is this gathering for? The answer is, it's for no, (laughs) which is interesting that you said that. Here's the thing, right? This I believe that too for a long time. Right. But I think in what we're actually dealing with is the gathering on Sunday is for God. Wow. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's oh, not, wow. So like... It's not just for... It's not... It's not. There's not a dichotomy of going, hey, uh, we're here to cater to believers, you know, to give them some meat, or hey, we're here to cater to, to non-Christians to kind of, you know, help them, right. you know. No, it's, hey, anyone who shows up, uh, we're worshiping Jesus here. Yeah. How do we do that? Through the preaching of God's Word and the sacraments. So we gather together, we worship in song, we uh, you know, open the scriptures, we hear from the Word of God, we point to Christ from the scriptures, yeah. uh, and then we participate by going to the Lord's table yeah. and taking the elements. So the gathering on Sundays is to be to the glory of God. It, the audience is not this dichotomy of believer-non-believer. The right. audience is... God is the audience, <laughs> and how we conduct ourselves is important. Yeah. But to your point, there is supposed to be an engagement of, hey, the assumption is the saints are gathering. Yeah. That's the assumption. The assumption is, well, the saints, the family of God, right, the visible right. family yeah. of God is gathering. That assumption should be there for sure. But then there has to be another aspect of our ministry that helps actually deal with problems in people's lives. It, the preaching handles a lot of that, but also there should be this additional instruction and right. teaching of application. Like the Bible yeah. is is robust in being able and to... Adequate. And adequate. To, yeah. And sufficient to handle um, questions about yeah. life's issues. You know? it, it, oh, it's interesting that <clears throat> I went automatically default to believers because, you know, in the churches that I was brought up, a lot of times... Especially, I would say the the kind of like the mega churches they're trying to reach out. Mm-hmm. I feel like Sunday service is becoming like an evangelistic sort of event. Yeah, where you know, so you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I understand that ultimately Sunday morning service is for believers. But mm-hmm. then when you escalated and you said, hey, it's actually there for God, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I fully agree with that. Right, <laughs> because people totally would. Yeah, because mm-hmm. even though. I understand we are gathering together as saints, but we don't do worship how the saints want it. We do worship yeah. according to how God wants worship to be done. Right. We do Bible preaching and proclamation of the gospel, not how we want it. Yeah. Is how God ordained it to be. Right. right. And this is this is you're getting yeah. at the idea which is known in theological circles as the regulative principle, yeah. Yeah. which is the Bible dictates and regulates how we are to actually conduct worship. Like, we don't get to just decide in a vacuum, go, you know what? I think it would be cool yeah. to, like, do a, um, like, a pool party <laughs> <laughs> during the worship service. And we'll have floaties. Maybe cool, though, because, <laughs> you know, the, the pool tank is going to have the name Jesus on it. <laughs> And then a scripture verse, or 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 vice versa, it's, you know, or vice versa. We say, you know, what? we're not going to do. Clo- listen, we're to not going to do any <laughs> any possible um, instrumentation. All it is just going to be acapella singing, yeah, and you know, 
you know, maybe maybe no singing. We don't have that authority. Mm-hmm. Scriptures say, sing unto the Lord. Yeah. When you gather together, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? And I mean, so so yeah, the regulative principle says we don't get to decide and dictate what and how our worship gatherings uh, are to be yeah. run and facilitated. Although there is a significant amount of freedom of how, how that you, gets yeah. expressed, but the fundamentals are there. You teach the Bible, you proclaim Jesus, you gather together, and you take the Lord's Supper together. But what but, if on Sunday morning there's a Seahawks game, <laughs> and you really, really want to watch it, and you can oh, honestly like skip the preaching, and you can just pretend that the singing part is you yelling at the screen, right? Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, I mean, does that qualify? You know, in our day and age, unfortunately, <laughs> it does. But imagine, okay, imagine if you dropped Isaiah into that context, yeah. or say you dropped uh, any of the prophets into that context. Can you imagine yeah. what happened, dude? It would make the the, the news headlines next yeah. next yeah. day. You know. Old Testament prophet loses his mind, starts beating people with sticks yeah. because of their idolatry before <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, like that, that's what would happen. You know, hey, in, it's in not idolatry unless you paint your face. No, I'm just, yeah. right, I'm just, I'm just being sarcastic <laughs> You're poking here. The bear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm just being sarcastic here. Um, but to your point, yeah. as ministers of 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 of, of the word, as pastors, yeah. as co laborers, as elders, as overseers. Um, it's scripture is pretty clear in what our role is. On, I mean, like yeah. if you read even in Ephesians four, yeah, uh, from verse eleven to sixteen, this is a common passage that that kind of helps us understand kind of the role of of these leaders. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers mm-hmm. to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and womanhood, yeah. to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So pause there. What do you see happen when culture it's loses exactly. its mind? That's exactly what happens. People are not rooted in the scriptures so that whatever goes on in culture or whatever happens, you know, in a celebrity celebrity's life, they begin to deconstruct or whatever for legitimate or illegitimate reasons. Yeah. People lose their mind because they're not rooted in the in the scriptures and they're not being taught to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God, to grow into mature into maturity and faith. Yeah. Right? And then he says, rather. Speaking the truth in love, mm. speaking the truth in love, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures, the truth of who God is and why he's made us, why he saved us. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Yeah. So this is, again, it's... Our role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. Well, it's not subjective ministry. It's not they get to define what ministry is. How do they know what the work of ministry is? Well, because it's in the scriptures. Yeah. And so if you're teaching the Bible, if you're preaching the Bible, if you're if you're accurately and faithfully expositing the scriptures and giving the people the the words of God, yeah. then 
according to this passage, it says that people are going to mature in their faith, grow yeah. in love, you know, and... and Honestly, I see it so many times on on TV where someone will be deconstructing their faith or whatever, right? And and the headline will be like pastor leaving his faith, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then you'll never hear from that pastor again, even though some of them will make their way back to the faith or whatever, right? Like, and they'll use them the the pastor for their purposes, you know. Mm-hmm. And they'll depict <coughs> Christianity in a really kind of like more of a caricature of what Christianity really is. Right. And they'll they'll attack. It's like a straw man's argument, right? Like where they will tell you, this is what you believe. And then you have to defend that. And it's like, but I don't believe that. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that happens on the right and on the left, you know, yeah. where you see people who will use, hijack you know, scripture will hijack the gospel for their own purposes, mm-hmm. and then they'll construct a a farce, a an idol, right? Yeah. And then they will ask me to defend that, and I'm like, I, but I don't, I don't believe that. Yeah. And when they'll say things like, "Well, the church is all about organized religion is all about taking money from people," and it's like, bro, I've yeah. been doing ministry for years and years and years, more than a decade, and I don't, I don't go and exploit yeah. people for money, yeah. right? And Or they'll make things like, oh, you, you guys are just trying to be a cheesy version of Hollywood. And I'm like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think this is where the church loses it in the sense that like we, a lot of people, they're trying to make it so pragmatic mm-hmm. and so practical mm-hmm. that here you have one of the, I mean, the greatest story ever told. Mm-hmm. You have the greatest message, right. the greatest hope for the world, mm-hmm. and people <clears throat> engage in petty, you know, arguments. And it's like, just proclaim the gospel, proclaim the hope that we have not only for this life but for life eternal. Yeah, you know. And I think, I think uh, Jordan Peterson, uh, which is, as far as I know, he's not a Christian. No, I, he might a be a deist, but, but. And he was talking to some Catholic bishop, and he was saying the same thing. He says, here you have the church. If you want to keep the young people in the church, is tell them about the greatness mm-hmm. of what faith is all about. Mm-hmm. Don't try to hand them Twinkies on Sunday morning, right? Like, don't. Right. And I'm not quoting him. I'm just actually paraphrasing what he's saying. But basically, don't try to appeal with cheesy inventions right. rather than the greatness of the gospel, the greatness of our faith, and the greatness of who Jesus is. Well, see, and, and to, to your point, I think fundamentally all of these types of uh, circumstances, right, in terms of uh, why are people leaving the faith, why are mm. people deconstructing, why are people um, you know, not not plugging into churches and being part of the church... Um, it really stems from underlying assumptions about all kinds of things. Yeah. <clears throat> what I mean what I mean by that is the issue of pragmatism that you mentioned, right? Pragmatism meaning uh if I could if I don't screw this up, the basic definition would be, you know, uh doing what works. What works, right? yeah. Exactly. Just doing what works. If it works, just do it. Um it makes assumptions about the nature of 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 humanity, it makes assumptions about uh, our disposition as human beings, mm-hmm. right? So, if we believe that human beings are clean slates when they're born, they're just innocent 
you know, human beings, no predisposition, no They're not slaves to anything. They're not inclined one way or another. Yeah. Um, then that's going to impact how you minister. If you assume that, then you're going to minister to souls that have been damaged by sin, primarily. Right. If you assume that human beings are just innocent people that are born, but then they get muddied up with sin and brokenness and, and all dysfunction. all I have to do is just clean them up. You have to clean them up. You have to, you have to get all the dirt out. And yeah. so how you're going to teach and preach is going to be impacted because you're going to then now appeal to the fact that they're just broken and they need healing. They're not rebels. They're victims. Mm. That's how you're going to preach. So and I think the culture, that's, that's what they're preaching is like, <clears throat> oh, every, people are generally good. They're just victims. Yes. That's, a, that's an underlying assumption, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you assume, which it's very clear to me that the, the scriptures, scriptures assume that, yeah. that human beings are inclined to do evil. Towards evil. Yeah. Right? They're inclined towards rebellion against God. We have a sin nature, uh, that we are sinners by nature and choice, that if we were to be left to our own devices, we would devise evil. Mm. If we were to be left to our own um, assumptions, our own thoughts, our own decisions, apart from any intervention by God, that it won't end well. If you have that assumption, your preaching is going to change because then now you're going to assume the fact that everyone needs to hear mm-hmm. the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is that God entered into our mess, lived a perfect, sinless life that we could never live. Yeah. In- instead, like we, no matter how much you clean up yourself and get rid of the filth, there's still more filth because yeah, yeah. you haven't changed the nature of the person. So you're preaching the gospel to that uh, that person, that human being who's in their very deepest sense, their greatest need and greatest issue is that they're a rebel yeah. who needs to have a heart change. Yeah. And so if and they're that, blind. They're and blind they're blind to, to it. You, yeah, to you it, can't yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, I am not the arbiter of my own abilities to kind of get out of sin. Like, I can't, I, I'm just not like just like, slave. hey, just think your way out of it. Yeah, just like a slave is not able to buy his way out, right? Like, you're so enslaved to you. I mean... I know there's some slaves that, you know, they became slaves because of debt. But normally, when we're talking about a slave that, that doesn't have money, is working for the master, mm-hmm. you have to have somebody else come and set that slave free. And and I think the Bible makes it pretty clear that when we are born, we inherit the, the sin of Adam. And mm-hmm. we are, we're slave to that and we're blind to even, uh, I think the very fact that you're able to repent Mm-hmm. Tells me that there's already a, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit that started in mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. that brought you to that because in your own volition, in your own, you know, uh, I, I guess the, one of the best way I can describe it is when people come up to me and they say things like, I don't know if I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. I'm like, the very fact that you asked that mm-hmm. and tells me that you are trying not to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. I'm like, now, why if, would you even be asking yeah, that question? The very fact that you're asking that tells me the Holy Spirit is active, right? Yeah. But if you didn't care... Yeah, blasphemers don't know, care if they're blaspheming. That's exactly it, right? Like <laughs> Blasphemers, <laughs> they're like, I'm just blaspheming, and that's what I do. Yeah, and, and I'm I like, enjoy it. Be really careful in the moments when you are sinning and you don't care about it. I think yeah. that's problematic. Yeah. When you are sinning and you don't have an ounce of remorse... Well, repentance, that tells me that there's something seriously wrong yeah. in your in your journey. So yeah, I think apathy, gone astray, yeah. 
it is is it points to that. So, anyways, to to kind of bring it all back, um, I think what I see in a lot of the modern day church preaching is is a lot of like self help. Hey, you can do it. You're a victim. Mm-hmm. But we need to go back to what the gospel says, and the gospel says we are rebels. Mm-hmm. We were born in sin, mm-hmm. but God is the one who opens our eyes. He's the one who redeems us. He's the one yes. who does the work. And, yes. and and I think this is where the proclamation of the gospel is so important. Absolutely, and that is our fundamental need. <clears throat> That's the thing you can you can you can try to solve every facet of hum, the human experience without addressing the issue of regeneration that somebody mm-hmm. needs to have a new heart that we need a new heart that mm-hmm. we can't get yeah. on our own if you don't address that none of the solutions that you pursue is going to work and if you just assume if you assume that people don't have that issue if you just assume that everyone's a believer everyone's fine then you may actually be perpetuating that kind of an an assumption yeah where people just assume hey I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian my whole life. Um, I don't need any kind of. I mean, yeah, I'm a Christian. I was yeah. just there, and then, but then they, and that assumption prevents you from actually evaluating yourself and actually comparing your faith to what the scriptures actually teach. Yeah. Um, Paul Washer says uh, <clears throat> a line in one of his sermons. He says, "You know, if you preach, you know, Jesus loves you, and uh, He has a great plan for your life." And the guy goes, "Oh, I love myself." And I love to have great plans for my life, right? Mm-hmm, right. And like, people don't have a problem with that. Yeah. They have a problem when you tell them you're a sinner, right? You're a rebel against God, and you are in desperate need of Him to come and and set you free. First of all, from your sin, yeah. But then save your soul and save you for eternity. And I think that is the offensive nature of the gospel. It is. And if you downplay that, if you yeah. actually, if you deliberately try to soften that, yeah. which a lot of churches do, a lot of pastors do, a lot of preachers do. They try yeah. to soften the blow of the reality of sinfulness in the heart of a human <laughs> being. If you try to soften that, then the solution sounds irrelevant. Hmm. It just sounds irrelevant. Why do I, why should I care about this Jesus? Why should I care about this kingdom if my life's just yeah. all good and gravy? If you know, why should I care about obedience? Yeah, yeah. You know, why should I care about hell? <laughs> but what be- and that's the assumption exactly is because <clears throat> what's happening? You're downplaying the reality of the condition of human beings, and and when you do that, then again, yeah, the gospel becomes irrelevant. And so, if you preach the benefits of Christian community without addressing the yeah. problem of human beings. Um, people begin to get tired of hearing it. And so they'll... And you have people that are like, I've been so hurt by the church. And you're like, my guy, did you know that part of being hurt by the church, you're part of it? You're part of it. You 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 are the church. Did you know that? (laughs) You have... Who hurt you exactly? (laughs) Have you resolved it? Yeah. And like, uh, I'm sure you've done a lot of hurting yourself around. You know what I mean? Like, and because we all gossip, we all do things that are not biblical. But here's my, I guess my practical question that I'm going to ask of you, right? If I came up to you and I said, hey, I go to your church, but I'm struggling with my faith. I don't know why there's evil in the world, and that bothers me. Mm -hmm. What's a practical step-by-step process you would take me through, Mm -hmm. right, from 
hey, I'm struggling with my faith to, hey, you know what? I can rest in Jesus and mm-hmm. I can put, what would be that process you as a pastor, I mean, because this would take some time, right? Sure. To, to walk, but what would be, what are some key steps that you'd encourage me to take to, because I'm sure that listeners on podcast or YouTube yeah. or whatever they're listening at, whatever platform you're on, mm-hmm. there there might be some somebody that's struggling with their faith right now, you yeah. know, and what yeah. would be your step-by-step process? And again, we can talk about general things. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm looking more for practical steps. Yeah, well, I would say this. Um, the first thing that I would do is I would make sure that they understand that uh, everyone has deep-seated underlying assumptions about the nature of the world Mm -hmm. and reality, and that deconstruction is not this thing that is objective in and of itself. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you are de- when you deconstruct. So let's just unpack that for right. a minute, because yeah. I think the practical stuff will will flesh out if right. we actually unpack this thing. Yeah. What is deconstruction? Deconstruction is analyzing your deeply held beliefs, reflecting on them, and you know, deconstructing them, taking down what's what was built up as right. foundational yeah. Yeah. in your faith, uh, evaluating it, and and then deciding on what is actually true and what is not question how do you know how to go through that process it makes you the arbiter correct. of the truth correct yeah so deconstruction in and of itself is not wrong mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing right i've had to deconstruct certain certain things traditions beliefs if what's constructed is wrong yeah it needs to be deconstructed absolutely right but if you deconstruct without a deeper underlying assumption of saying there is objective truth yeah right and 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 you actually hold that assumption right then your deconstruction is just going to be uh it you'll deconstruct into relativism mm-hmm. you will deconstruct and continue to deconstruct and continue to deconstruct and then what will reconstruct will be just subjective, relativistic thinking. If you're not tethered. And preferences. If it's not tethered to objective truth. And so deconstruction is is great so long as what's reconstructed is more faithful to the scriptures. Amen. Okay, so that's that's kind of my encouragement to people when they're wrestling with things and they're asking questions and they're wrestling with doubts and questions about their deeply held beliefs growing up as a kid or or you know in a growing up in a faith community I say it's wonderful that you're asking those questions i think it's and actually i would say it's one of the tragedies mm-hmm. is that people take so many truths for granted is that they don't actually ask the questions yeah. of why do i believe what i believe i what's think the foundation sh- what's of the foundation my, of it yeah. and i think encouraging people to say this is wonderful that you're asking these questions you have these concerns these tensions that you're trying to resolve continue to do that but just assume that you're not the one who can decide on what gets reconstructed. Don't don't assume that you're the one who's going to be able yeah. to sift through all of that uh, yeah. correctly. So, we so don't, yeah, we don't live in a vacuum. There's there's, yeah. there's a myth of neutrality in the world that says deconstruction is objective enough in and of itself, and you know we're just being neutral, right? That's kind of the secular mo. We're just being neutral. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. 
uh, I, the I mean, have educa- you seen yourself behind closed doors? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like yeah, it's, it's like, like you human beings are derivative by nature. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't come up with truth. We didn't, you know, just think ourselves into existence. Yeah, and then like we're we're dependent on something else, namely someone down, else. You'll tear down an idol and build a new one. Correct. Uh, you know, and, and that's actually the narrative of the entire Bible <laughs> is people who untether themselves from God's directive, providential plan, working out their life according yeah. to His words, His laws, yeah. His statutes, His commandments. They just reconstruct idol after idol after idol after idol. You know, Moses yeah. in the time of Exodus, you have the people construct a golden calf. Bef- right as Moses is getting the laws and, God, and and commandments of God, before he could even deliver them to the yeah. people, they've already come up with an idol. Fast forward into the the monarchy, Jeroboam, after the kingdom of, of Israel splits into northern yeah, and south, yeah. he's like, you know what's a good idea? We should build a golden idol again. But this time, let's build two calves instead of one. Because the, the first, the one, first one The first one failed, obviously. So. And I think the logical next step is, let's try two let's of them. Let's double down. <laughs> let's double down. Let's do idolatry squared. Maybe yeah. that will Maybe that will help. So, like, you see that in modern day in culture. It's like, you know, like, we understand that uh, we see a lot of people who are, hey, um, I don't think this whole gender you know, fluidity is working for us. So let's double down on it and let's maybe come up with another, you know, number of genders or, and or when it comes to people who are deconstructing your faith, they'll say things like, oh, I'm so done with tradition. And they'll make a tradition of not having a tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Well, they'll have, a, a, right. a, you know, they'll question their faith to the point where the very, the very questioning becomes their own faith. Yeah. Where everything is skeptical, everything is just, you know, and, and, and you look at that and you're like, but you're still worshiping an idol. Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, I have no authority, but you are your own authority. Yeah. Right? So it's like our human heart cannot be free completely from from these influences. Like mm-hmm. uh, I think Timothy Keller said that that our hearts are uh, literally a idol factory. Yeah, it was quoting John Calvin, but yeah. yeah. Our, our heart, yeah, the default mode of the human heart is... Uh, is idolatry. Like we, we're an idol factory. We just keep making idols... Yeah. Idol after idol after idol. So again, so practically, practical steps. practically speaking, I would yeah. say, don't assume that your knowledge of scripture is sufficient. Yeah, actually, begin to dig into the scriptures, wrestle with them. Amen. Yeah, dig dig deeper. Um, I people think that that's a pithy and like unhelpful response, but they haven't actually tried it, and that's, and that's the thing. Yeah, and yeah. I think, I mean. G.K. Chesterton one one time said, "He's people think that uh, the Christian life is easy to live, uh, but it uh, it you know it doesn't work." Uh, and his response, and I'm paraphrasing him, but his yeah. response was like, "Actually, that's not it. true. You haven't actually tried it. <laughs> yeah. it. It actually is left untried. It's yeah. it's not found wanting. It's just left untried because you actually haven't done the work yeah. to try to do it." And I think that's true in most cases. Most yeah. cases, people have these objections. They haven't done the work. They haven't done the study. They haven't actually gone deep enough into the scriptures to go one way or another. You know. The other thing I would say is, um, don't neglect the helpfulness of good books. Hmm. You know, study the scriptures 
immerse yourself in the scriptures, understand the scriptures and what they teach on these matters. Yeah. Uh, and then also, if if um, don't 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 neglect that the the benefit that people who before us have wrestled with these right. issues, wrestled with these questions, wrestled with these doubts in times past, that they have quite a bit of insight to share. Yeah, uh, given their their own human experience. I think uh, you know, but. Uh, the objection a lot of times people have is, well, scriptures and books were written by man. And I'm like, well, geometry was written by man. You right. know, calculus was written and figured out by man. And I could go and start, deconstruct all my assumptions about geometry and calculus and say, okay, I'm going to figure out myself for physics, right? It's like, yeah. but your lifetime is not long enough for you to figure out things on your own. Yes. And you will it, have to rely on uh, other homework. But even in that you assumption, yeah. the Bible is written by man. The the book books are written by man. The Bible is written by man. That particular one, yeah. it presupposes the nature of reality. So here's the thing. Yeah, like there's not. You have to fundamentally, in your heart of hearts, either bow the knee to your creator. Yeah, or not. Now that that's unpopular to say because it takes humility. Yeah, and and it takes. Honesty. Yeah. Like, here's the thing: like people say, I'm just being honest. I just don't. I don't. Be, I don't. I'm having a hard time believing this. I'm just. Re- I'm really trying to be objective. No, you're not. You're not being objective. You're shaped by your human experience. Mm-hmm. You're shaped by liturgies. You're shaped by the way in which you lived your life. If yeah. you haven't and been reading the Bible, you haven't been praying. You haven't been fellowshiping with God's people. No wonder you don't want to read the Bible. No wonder you have all these questions that you haven't engaged in. Now, I don't want to be flippant and dismiss yeah, you in that, yeah. but let's be real. There is a true aspect of reality. There is truth. And what you presuppose, the fundamental presupposition that you have, is going to be whether or not that truth is derivative from someone who holds it outside of myself, or I get to decide what that is, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm objective enough to be able to sift my way through this stuff and understand objective reality. And... From that presupposition goes one way or the other. However, you know, people either reconstruct their faith and they grow in maturity, yeah, yeah. or they completely deconstruct and then they just live life however they want to live it. So, practically speaking, I would just tell people like I, I would actually, I want to be comp- compassionate and kind mm-hmm. to people who have questions, yeah, and are struggling with unbelief. But unfortunately, in our day and age, man, like the more I see stuff. People just give you a pat on the back if you're doubtful. If you're a skeptic, it's almost a virtue. It's like, hey, <laughs> I, did not I don't everything. doubt that. I, I, or, sorry, I doubt that. I don't believe that. I'm being skeptical. Yeah. I, I don't want to just take things you know, at face value. Yeah. I don't want to believe things with certainty. And people give you a, like a star. On, they give you a golden star on the star chart. Like They're like, wow. Yeah, it's like you're not I'll, taking any stand, right? And it's like it would be so easy to just not take a stand of, on anything, the moment you take a stand is when the actual growth happens because yeah. you have to take. And and in our modern day in culture, man, I I look at what's happening even in some of with some of the leaders of the church. And my question, I, I had a, I wanted to ask you a bit earlier on, but I want to ask you now. It's like, how do you deal with? I'm I'm sure that you want to be liked. Mm-hmm. You want people to think that you're entertaining. That mm-hmm. you know you're a great pastor, uh, but chances are, if you're preaching the gospel, you're gonna upset some people. Yeah, 
right? And trying to balance that, okay, you have a human need to be accepted, to be loved, to be, yes. yeah. you know, um, thought of as well. Right. But that's just not, if Jesus was was mocked, if Jesus was, uh, you know, yeah. persecuted, you will be persecuted too. And I think how do you balance that need to make sure that you don't compromise the gospel? Because I think that's a massive thing that's happening right now where we have so many pastors who they're afraid to speak out yes, yeah. or they want to be liked. They want people to think that they're funny, but yeah. we're not comedians here. We're yeah. proclaimers of the gospel, right? So how do you deal with, with that need versus, you know, making sure that you're faithful to yeah, the gospel? Yeah, two, 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 two things. Number mm-hmm. one, it, at the core of that issue is the issue between fear of man and fear of God, mm-hmm. right? That at the heart level, there's you're going to have a primary allegiance, and fear of man is, is simply put, the scripture talks about it a lot. Proverbs talks about it in many different ways, uh, the book of Proverbs. Um, and it really is this, is am I primarily living for the approval of man or mm-hmm. am I primarily living for the approval of God? And um, fear of man has been a kind of a, a, an interesting part of my own redemptive story. I grew up in a culture, in a context where... Um, Sin was never addressed uh, in the lives of people. It was just assumed that people were saints and living holy lives and just, you know, doing their thing. And nobody really talked about sin. Nobody addressed sin. And um, and everybody looked good on the outside. Everybody looked wonderful gathering together. Beautiful people, beautiful lives, beautiful faith on the outside. Uh, but it was just a shell, right? And so... Throughout the week, people are struggling with all kinds of stuff, depression, doubt, sin, lust, you know, greed, whatever, um, and nobody addresses that type of stuff. And that type of a environment, growing up in that type of environment, created uh, in, well, I should say, brought out of me the, this whole issue of, I want to be liked by other people, and so I'm going to downplay all of the things that I'm struggling with and and heighten all of the things that look good in my life. Then, after becoming a Christian and in continuing on in my in my faith, it was very apparent that those two things can't coexist. You either mm-hmm. worship God and your primary allegiance is to God, or it's to people. And so, fundamentally, asking yourself that question as a pastor, going week in week out into a pulpit, I have to ask myself a question: the question, am I doing this to honor God? Or am I doing this to appease man? Which one? One way or the other. It's a weekly yeah. question. It's a, every week. And, I, and, I, and, I, and you have to deal with all kinds of things. You have to deal with, okay, am I afraid to have conflict with people? Mm-hmm. Um, am I afraid to lose financial support from certain people? Am I afraid to lose my job? Mm-hmm. One of the yeah. things that the scriptures, it's very interesting, like Paul... Now I'm, I I I am fully paid mm-hmm. uh, by the church salary, yeah. salary, and I praise God for that. It's a wonderful gift, but God forbid that that would be a driving motivation for my ministry. God help me, God help me that, that I don't care if I get fired, yeah. and I hope I can say that yeah. for the rest of my life. I don't care if I get fired, um, because. I'm still called to work. I'm still called to cultivate my yeah, life. I'm yeah. still called to provide for my family. So I'll have to figure that out. But if that's a motivation, I can't trust that I'm approaching this faithfully. Like I can't yeah. trust saying 
I'm approaching my ministry unbiasedly, and less biasedly, I should say, I'm approaching my ministry with more reverence for God than I am for the fear of, you know, some other ulterior thing. Yeah. And this, and this is the reason why I think the Apostle Paul, in his ministry, he labored so much so that he didn't want to be dependent financially on people so that people would actually take his words more seriously, more weightily. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where he, what he's saying is he's saying it not because he's trying to, you know... Yeah, yeah. Uh, earns a, so anyways, I have to ask myself that question every week as a minister. The second reason, or the second way to kind of, I should say, um, avoid kind of that dilemma of being stuck with, you know, do I appeal Do I appeal to culture, do I appease man, or do, yeah, I, do yeah. I honor God, is expository preaching. If you work through verses of the Bible... Mm-hmm. and books of the Bible expositionally. And what we mean by that is verse by verse, verse chapter by, verse. by chapter, going through books of the Bible at length, you will protect yourself from the error of having to avoid passages that are difficult and only hit on passages that are comfortable to you and uh, yeah. are comfortable to the status quo you want to maintain. If you work through books of the Bible, you will hit stuff that you're uncomfortable with. And that's actually a grace of God. You have to work through that. And also and challenge your life, too. Challenge your own life, challenge yeah. your own faith. And that's why we do that. I mean, as a church, we we, we want to be a, a, a body of believers that not only... So the, the reason why we preach through the books of the Bible that way is also to instruct believers in how to study their Bibles. Yeah. It's yeah. like... You finish this section, what's next? Well, then look at the next section and see what <laughs> what the next section says and how does it give shape and light to the section before the section, yeah. you know, and, and then after. So you're teaching people how to read Scripture in context, you know, because, again, when I read the passage earlier in Ephesians 4, where people are deceived by, you know, deceptive schemes and, and false doctrine yeah, and yeah. human cunning, it's because human beings were... Like I, if I'm left to my own devices, dude, yeah. I will preach on things and teach on things that are just comfortable to me. I yeah. can't rely on my senses, you know. Uh, objectively, yeah. I have to trust the scripture. Well, so, I think, anyways, it, it, ex, uh, expository preaching is not because uh, for those who maybe are not familiar with all the theological terms, expository is when you exposit, you go through verse by verse, but you explain of, the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the churches, I, th- I would say mega churches, they engage in more, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't want to categorize everybody, but normally you'd see more of a topical thing where mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're ta- teaching on giving. Hey, we're teaching on, you know, hope right. or love. And, and the problem, even though m- maybe it's not necessarily sinful to do that, but the problem with that mm-hmm. is that you tend to gravitate to the things that you really want to talk about. Yeah, or the things that you think that the church needs versus what the church really needs is the church to know the whole Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to know the whole scripture, not yeah. oh, yeah. we need to raise money so we're gonna speak on giving for the next you know month or yeah. Hey, well, let's make it. Let's make a, yeah. a a more careful distinction yeah. here. Go ahead. Topical preaching isn't a problem in and it's in and of itself. Topical preaching can be expositional. Mm-hmm. You can preach a topical message, right? But you have a text that you work through expositionally, mm-hmm. yeah. right? You go verse by verse, you explain the text, you explain it in light of the context of the yeah. scriptures, what the the whole scriptures teach on it, and then you teach on that topic based off of that scripture that addresses that topic. Um, so topical preaching isn't necessarily the problem. 
What is the problem is the topic drives the text, not the text driving the topic. Oh, that's good. So yeah. if you have a, an agenda, and this is, I think, it, this is a danger for every yeah. church. It's a danger for our church. It's a danger for you know any other church out there. Is if you have an, a need or a, a direction or an agenda that you want to see the church going into, which may be totally valid. sincere and valid, yeah. but you prioritize that pursuit and then you overlay it with scripture, yeah. right? And you try to use scripture to support that thing. Well, then how can you trust that you'll end up in the right place if if yeah. you don't start with the scriptures on any given topic rather than use the scriptures to try to justify your your end, right? Yeah. So th- that's where I think the distinction has to be made is like, when I approach the scriptures, am I approaching it in a way where I'm like, I'm trying to find scriptures that validate my assumptions? Yeah. Or am I going, what does the Bible actually say? You know, it's it's crazy <laughs> that you mentioned this because like, I think that's one of the biggest cry uh, that I see that's happening where... Uh, someone will take uh, a biblical story and they'll take a very fringe detail of that story, right? For example, David and Goliath fighting and he had five smooth stones. Mm-hmm. And they'll do a whole sermon and five smooth stones, taking something that's just a detail and making a whole theology yeah. out of that detail. And it's like, but there's so much more to this. Yeah, that wasn't the point right? of the... The point was not that he got exactly five smooth stones, right? right? Like, uh, you know... And, he should and... have got seven, because seven <laughs> is more of an accurate <laughs> biblical theme. Seven is a big so, number in the Bible. He should have had seven. I've seen that done by so many people. They'll take a fringe detail of a story and completely ignore the whole theme of the of, of the chapter or the, right. of the passage itself. I wouldn't say the chapter, more like the passage, right? Because every single passage has its own... Uh, and and I look at that and I'm like, but that's just such a small detail, and you constructed a whole doctrine, a whole based on theology that. based off of it, yeah. right? And and with that, I can make the Bible sound anything like support anything that I want. Yeah, then that's the danger of it. That's yeah. that is the fundamental danger of it. And and so the other detail to that, yeah, as it relates to practical Christian living, is teaching people in your congregation that that biblical study and immersing themselves in the scriptures is a must. It's not an option. It's not a a, a helpful thing. It's not a, this is great if it happens. No. I mean, Acts chapter 2, like the beginning of the early church, what what were they doing? Verse 42 of Acts 2, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They they were eager to, to learn, to study, to engage with the scriptures and yeah. what the apostles were teaching them from the scriptures. Yeah. They weren't just pulling this stuff out of thin air, you know, and... And so the encouragement to you know every believer is know your Bible, study your Bible. Don't don't seek primarily an extra biblical revelation and experience from God to try to help you along in your faith, or or cherry pick the verses that minister to your soul yeah. every single time. That's not going to sustain your faith. That's not going to help you have a a reason for the hope that is in you in the long term. Yeah. Right? Uh, if you eat, like you said earlier, if you eat Twinkies all the time, 
Yeah. You're going to get fat. <laughs> And uh, then, no, and then your no, health is going to deteriorate. Hey, no fat shaming on my podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> no, but, but that's but exactly that's the point. point. Uh, or you can nourish your your soul yeah. with with the feast that is the scriptures that God has given you. Yeah, um, but you know, so to that point, like I think people that go to the gym, they they know that you have your favorite equipment that you want to work out on. Yeah, but the truth of the matter for is, for Slavic people, it's the bench press. <laughs> <laughs> it's like never work out your legs. Bench press and biceps. Never work out your legs. Nope. Nope. Why do we even have these? Why are we even bipeds walking around? But that's exactly the point, right? Like where the machines that make you feel uncomfortable are the machines that you should be on, mm -hmm. right? It's the machines that like really you should probably uh, do a better job on like well, you should work your back work. out because yeah. once you become a dad, your back just deteriorates. <laughs> <laughs> you just become just dad back for the rest of your life. So yes, you got to work out your back. You got to work out your so glutes. The same thing with, with, with the sermons. <laughs> same thing with the sermons. If you only gravitate to the things that you like, the minister to your soul, right? Yeah. Not actually go to the passages that challenge you, that that make you do things in a different way because. Maybe you've been doing them wrong, you know, to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's kind of a, a big point is is go to the uncomfortable places. Right. You know, in, in scripture. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's part of it. Like, I'll tell you this. Um, learning and disciplining yourself to daily take yeah. in the scriptures. You know, I would even say this, like, if you're not reading your Bible year-round, um, you're missing out on a lot that God has to offer yeah. to change your life, to transform your faith, to grow you in the knowledge of Christ. You're hindering your faith, and um, that's not good for you. Yeah. Like, if you actually engage with the Scriptures, I'm telling you, the, the Bible is unlike any other document in the history of the world. It's it is deep. It is profound. It yeah. is it it ha it God uses it to, you know, like like the scriptures themselves say, to pierce between bone and marrow, to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Yeah. When you read the scriptures as they were meant to be read, um, you will begin to see the glories and splendors of Christ uh, in every page, and um, and that's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you yeah. to read and ingest the scriptures and see how they point to Him. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. Well, I mean, we were coming up to an hour here, and it's uh, it's been an hour. <laughs> it's been an hour, man. <laughs> but a um, few things I want to mention. Uh, again, my whole point, even doing this this episode, is not to go and start pointing fingers. I think. You know, we are all part of the church. You know, people who have put the, their 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 hope in Christ. Mm -hmm. You're a part of the church, and 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 my hope is that you would see the signs of what is unhealthy and what is healthy. Mm -hmm. But you can't. Uh, I think the best illustration that I can come up with is at Boeing. When I used to work at Boeing, we had um, you know like a caliper which we measured parts with. It's like a very precise instrument. Mm -hmm. And every single time we would have to send in this caliper every month or so to get calibrated, mm -hmm. you know, to make sure that what it's measuring is accurate, you mm -hmm. know. 
And I think our conscience are kind of like that. Okay, we measure, we you know, make, pass judgments on what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. But if you're not spending time daily in the Word to recalibrate your conscience, right? Like yeah. <laughs> to make sure yeah, yeah. that, hey, because it, it like we spend so much on this podcast talking about how you are not objective here. Like you right. have your own experiences yep. and and wrong thoughts biases, and biases yeah. and all of that. And mm-hmm. and this is why you need to go to scripture and recalibrate your whole... Ex- and so if you're going to deconstruct what is wrong, make sure that you build on foundations that that are strong, you know, mm-hmm. build, build the right way. And uh, the scripture for that is so adequate. Now, uh, before we close, I wanted to ask you, what do you say to the people that... You know how people will say things like, well, First Church, they didn't really have the Bible in its mm. current form, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of them lived by, you know, letters from Paul and, and their experiences. And my usually it's my actually, expression... It's actually not true, though. Right, because that they assumption had, is not true. Because they, they had, had the, the prophets, law. they had they the, had law. the law. Yeah, so, which is actually very robust. Yeah, yeah. So, but the assumption so, yeah. there is that oh, they're living by their experiences, right? right. Like, because right. I don't agree with that either. Right. Um, and my 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 thing, t- t- my answer to that is is that is yeah. they had the law, they had the prophets, they had Jesus Himself, which is kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul walking and talking, kind of right? important. Yeah, <laughs> and and also. But now we do have all these other books. Right. So what would you add onto that? Like people that say, well, you know, some people didn't have the Bible as it is written in the current form. I honestly, I wouldn't take that question as uh, a sincere question. I would take that as, yeah, I would dig deeper. I would yeah. say, why, why, are, why are you saying that? Why do you have that objection? Mm-hmm. Why are you saying, well, people in the New Testament, you know, time, they didn't have all the scriptures, so they, they, it was not like, it's like they were just, you know, going. It's like, what's there? What, 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 why? Why, why, why won't you engage? Mm-hmm. And in, in fact, I would say to the earlier uh, response right. to that objection, saying that the New Testament Christians, they knew the Old Testament. Yeah. They knew the they knew the the, the scriptures and the, the law and the prophets. They're yeah. very familiar with that. Are you familiar with that? Because yeah. here's the thing: if you look at all the New yeah. Testament writings, if you look at Paul, if you look at Peter, if you look at what they said yeah. publicly to people, they're quoting the Old Testament. They're quoting Isaiah. They're quoting Moses. They're quoting Deuteronomy. They're quoting Leviticus. They're yeah. quoting yeah. the prophets. They're quoting these guys and all these writers. To help the people in their time understand the implications of yeah. Christ. I mean, ha- and so you're you're dwelling on these New Testament writings without actually understanding the basis on which yeah. they were written. written. I mean, have you read the Book of Romans, where there's so much of you know where the Book of Hebrews, right? Like oh where, yeah, where yeah. you have so much of the the law and the prophets, and uh, you know, one of the biggest things that it's I guess it's a pet peeve of mine where people say things like, "Well, yeah, but um, they didn't have the Bible back then." But you also have to understand that that society was more of an oral society, it's an oral tradition, yeah, where they memorize things. We are more a uh, society where things have to be Googled and everything yeah. is written, right? God help but, us, man. <laughs> but God in their society, us, they, people just memorize things because Paul is quoting from memory. You know, he's quoting yeah. from, and and in that kind of society, maybe they, the the even though Jesus 
so many times says it is written, it is written, it is yes, written. Yes, yes. Yeah. But they also knew it by heart. Yeah. They knew it in their mind. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that's so much of a valid point, but I just wanted to address it. But it is a point. It is it is yeah. a point. I think people do ask that question. Yeah. And I think that the question is surface level. I think underneath the question, there's another question that needs to be answered, a deeper question. Yeah. And that is, why do we have a hard time with wanting to hear from God here? Yeah. We want to hear from God, to be sure. A lot of people um, want to hear from God, but... If you're going to, hey, I need some kind of experience or I need some kind yeah, of yeah. extra biblical thing, primarily, instead of going here, why? He's, he's very much sufficiently spoken to yeah, us yeah. Um, and revealed himself. Uh, yeah. Like we, we're, So right now we are finishing up the book of Nehemiah as a church, mm-hmm. and it's just been, it's been mind-boggling yeah. how much... Truth and and robust, like coherent and uh, like unity there is with yeah. the scriptures. I mean, in Nehemiah's day, they're recalling things that Moses says in Deuteronomy to the people. They're recalling the Exodus narrative. They're they're recalling the laws of God from Leviticus, right, yeah. and the, the, all the stuff. And you're seeing all of that, how that, all that ties in and points to the coming of Christ. Um, and it's glorious. It shows people that the Bible isn't this siloed, you know, collection of isolated books that have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. It's the Bible is a library of books that have this cohesive narrative yeah, uh, yeah. displayed throughout all 66 books um, yeah. that point to Christ. You know, yeah. so... Well, and man, we're definitely going to have to do a part two because things are getting... I, I think what this has probably been one of the podcasts that has been mostly in-depth. We've only talked about a few subjects, but it's been really in-depth. Yeah, and yeah. I'm really, really thankful for for um, for you and for coming on. But I want to just kind of leave some parting thoughts and maybe you can add, add to it. On, uh, if you have a question about, for example, why does God allow evil? I think the mm-hmm. Bible, the whole Bible gives... I mean, it's written to answer these questions. And I yeah. think one of the reasons that we didn't really address the question itself so much is because if you look at the whole Bible, mm-hmm. it's the great romance, the great divine romance right. of, of God saying, hey, yes, I created you. Yes, you rebelled. Yes, mm-hmm. you have sinned. And because of your sin, the whole universe is, is groaning under the, the curse of sin. Yeah, uh, But I have provided for you a way out, a way as a, a, not necessarily to escape, but to make things, to redeem things, mm-hmm. right? So so when someone like that says, well, I just have these questions, and I'm like, have you read anything? Yeah, right. R- right? So uh, my, yeah, my Maybe start with the book of Job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> start with the book of Job, you know, maybe yeah. read Romans 8 and 9. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so my encouragement to you is, is start studying the Bible. Second, find a Bible-believing teaching church. Yeah. Even if it's with 20 people, regardless how, of the size, but make sure that you teach the Bible, right? That's make so good sure. that you said that because, listen, yeah, we have one life here on earth, yeah. yeah, and time is ticking. Think about it. If you're sitting every Sunday under teaching that is... So entertaining. You know, 25 minutes of just fluff, and you're not understanding who Jesus is and the nature what and character of God. Time after time after time, you're wasting... You're wasting precious moments 
of of learning and growing and worshiping and fellowship God. with other believers. Yeah. Christ, so ask yeah. yourself that question: Is uh, what I'm doing actually helping me understand the scriptures more and see Jesus more clearly? Yeah. You know, and if it's not, then maybe there's some hard conversations that need to have that you need to have with your leaders, yeah, yeah. or it may mean it may mean I'm not, and I don't advocate for people just abandoning churches. Absolutely like you have not, to have a yeah. solid, reason. solid reason. Uh, and most people do not have solid biblical reasons for leaving churches, but if it's the case where they are not preaching the and teaching the Bible and they're they're not proclaiming Christ, then it may be time for you to look for a church that does. Yeah, so, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm definitely going to have Dimitri back on, Pastor Dimitri on. Man, I really appreciate you, and I know that to to me, you're not just a friend. You're also someone, whoever, uh, wh- whom, if I have any questions, like I look to you as also as a pastor. You know, oh, dude, and uh, thank you so much for flattered. For, I am. I know you're not trying to. I but know you're I'm younger flattered. than me, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. That's what I was like, it should Jesus. be the reverse here, Slavik. Yeah, and um, you know, it's mutual, bro. You're probably taller than me, so I look up to you. <laughs> I have a beard. That's what it is. This, 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 this. Oh, well, hey, you know what? When it comes you get to a close up of this thing, this yeah, when it comes untamed. to issues of marriage or like <laughs> kids, I will like call you up. <laughs> but again, thank you so much, man. I appreciate. It's been you. a joy, man. Thanks for having me. All right, God bless you too. Hey everyone, I want to take a moment and thank you so much to all of you who have been downloading and listening to these podcasts. Recently, a friend of mine called me out of the blue and he said, hey, I want to be part of the ministry that you are doing and I want to financially support you. So I told him that for the last four years, I've been paying to host this podcast online. So he decided that he will pay for a year worth of podcast hosting. This nice gesture made me think maybe there are more people that would like to partner up with me ministry. Oftentimes when I'm asked to minister at some church, a lot of the churches don't have enough money to cover my travel, my time that I took off of work, and the expenses that come with being in a different state. So I created a fund where all the proceeds that come into this fund from the online platforms will be used towards ministry, be it travel expenses or podcast production or creating any other form of ministry content. You can give through the link in the show notes. However, if you can ask support me financially, I encourage you to pray. And if you can, rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much again and God bless.